0: Hi,
1: you guys want some cookies? Cookies, cookies, cookies,
2: cookies. Welcome back to the Um Lot, the new garage, and welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy Bubby. Hey,
1: Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Bad start. Feels like a bad start. Yeah. Doesn't feel like the right way to start a podcast for the people.
2: Don't think we're going to release this one. Nope. Hey, we heard Chris Catan and hi, everybody. Hi, Bob. Hi, Dan. We heard Chris Catan at the top. Did you see Chris was in the news?
1: Chris was in the news. Yes, of course, all of our... uh, we got we got a lot of Not tweets great. about this. A lot of people on uh, at thro- tweeting at throwback pod to let us know that our boy got busted.
2: I know. Well, the the good news is, is if he ever adds an addendum to his autobiography or if he has a, a follow up, he's got a chapter.
1: Please, baby, don't hurt me.
2: This from TMZ Dateline June 30th. Chris Kattan allegedly pulled an anti-masker moment on board an American Airlines flight frightening other passengers and promoting... Imprompting prompting airline staff to order him off the plane, sources with direct knowledge tell us the ex-SNL star had boarded the flight Monday from Dallas-Fort Worth to LAX, but his appearance startled several passengers <laughs> who were seated near him in first class. I think we need...
1: That's the part of the story that makes the least amount of sense to me. What was Chris Kattan doing in first class? That's when I start wondering, like, is the news fake? Is, was Trump right all along? Because this doesn't feel right.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair. Let me continue on.
1: <laughs> the Baby Don't Hurt Me music. Uh,
2: we're told Chris was stumbling and seemed sick, at least to other passengers partially because he had mucus this is a tough little nug in the story <laughs> partially because he had mucus hanging out of his nose when he leaned over Oof. he was not wearing a mask at that point and we're told passengers alerted flight attendants who brought him paper towels and ordered him to put on a mask we're told chris did did put one on The federal mask mandate is still in effect for air travel, but left it below his nose. Can't do that.
1: Come on, Chris.
2: And by now, his behavior had other passengers on edge. Witnesses say he begged flight attendants not to boot him and even asked, oh boy, if they'd seen him on SNL. Staffers asked him multiple times to pull up his mask and warned if he didn't do it immediately, their next call would be to the cops. At that point, he finally got up and left.
1: Look, I don't want to—I don't want to overreact. We do live in a cancel culture society. I—I I, I know we do, but do we?
0: Hi. You guys want some cookies?
1: Do we have to have a serious conversation about whether or not we want to be associated
0: you guys want
1: some with this man? Because he's a part of this with us, whether he knows it or not. He doesn't
2: know it because I feel like there'd be some litigation by now if he knew. Right,
1: doesn't know it. So, can we feel comfortable starting every episode off with an anti-masker who travels in first class? So, good for him. An anti-masker with a runny nose.
2: You know, he was doing a show. Here's one thing that was interesting to me: he was doing a show um, in Texas. A comedy gig and he's flying back to L.A. Mm-hmm. He lives here. Does that mean when he booked the show, like part of the venue where he performed was they were going to fly in first class? Does he have that pole for real? I guess so. You surprised by that?
1: Very. Can not you hear it in my voice? Very surprised by that.
2: <laughs> um, what if this is the new opening of the show? He playing has you covered. You want to bet on a dude fucking an alligator? money plane <laughs> 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 it's just something to think about
1: we'd have to talk to ja- we have to talk to jackie Daytona about it obviously i have my issues with kelsey grammar
2: i feel like that's the biggest obstacle because of your history of course and anybody that uh doesn't know please check out the um the Benz episode of the Throwback podcast, where we got in deep on Bob and Kelsey Grammer's past, which is not, not good.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's just a great episode in general if you love Radiohead's album, The Benz, but don't want to hear us talk about the song, The Benz.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's true. We did miss The Benz. <laughs> uh, and we will at some point make it up to the Radiohead fans out there.
1: Yeah. Sure. We will.
2: Which is not there yet. No. We're working on it. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so that's bad and Katan I don't like the direction of his life right now and I think if one more shaky thing happens, we're gonna have to Hi,
1: you guys want
2: some cookies? Get our cookies elsewhere because we don't wanna be in a situation where maybe something bad happens and then we have to have a serious Chris Catan ca- conversation about
1: us. Imagine us having a serious Chris Catan <laughs> conversation. I don't
2: yeah. wanna do that. You guys want some cookies? <laughs> So it's like, we need to maybe get out while the getting out's good.
1: Like, I just love the idea of like, you're on like the softball field and your phone rings and you're like, oh, why is Bob calling me? It's normally a text. This is kind of weird. And then you answer it. Hi, you guys want some cookies? And I'm like, That's
2: all you got to say and I'll know he's dead.
1: Hey, what's up? We need to have a serious talk about Chris Kattan. No, that means something worse happened and we can't be associated with him anymore. Even in the way that we are associated yeah. with him now. All right just saying
2: we have to think about this we have to have <laughs> a really and i hope the best for chris katan so do i but the mucus hanging out of the nose not good got, my radar is up a little bit right now <laughs> um all right it's countdown ep everybody loves the countdown eps that's all we hear in the streets
1: people love the countdown. give me ups. another
2: countdown ep yep. you motherfucker you piece of shit yep. and they're like
1: whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa. very Wild hostile language very hostile
2: and then, like, well, you end literally every episode by telling me to go fuck myself. And I'm right. like, Well, that's fair. So now I guess fair we're play. even.
1: Fair play. And you have mucus hanging out your nose, and you're like, whatever, man. Whatever.
2: Why would he have the mucus? No, Bo- let's sugar
1: not. Sugar. No, hey, look, look, we can't say that.
2: I'm not saying it was. I'm, right. s- I'm just Speculating. Purely speculative.
1: How can I speculate that yes, you're right, <laughs> without saying it?
2: I gotta find that book.
1: You do I have really to find do. the book.
2: All right, Bob. Today's uh, countdown takes us back to
1: nineteen ninety-seven. Oh, 97.
2: I believe that's the year you turned in your V card, isn't it, Bob?
1: Uh give or take.
2: Give or take. I mean,
1: like, was I giving or taking?
2: Uh, you, you, you turned it in to authorities.
1: <laughs> Is that? Is that how you have sex? <laughs> <laughs> that...
2: did you, didn't you did you have SEX for the first time in 97?
1: No, maybe. I don't know.
2: Why are you being...
1: I don't know. I want to be a little cagey about that. <laughs> you know, leave something up to the imagination.
2: Is it because you're worried now your son's getting older that he might listen to this? No, not at all. He has no... we have to shut this thing down if you're concerned about... No, I'm not worried about your that son. at
1: all. No, I just don't want you knowing when it happened.
2: Well, I think I do know. And that's why I said 1997. You were dating your high school girlfriend right, at that time. Right.
1: I'm not starting this nineteen ninety seven episode talking about
2: this. We will talk about it.
1: Sure, but it's too soon. It's too early. I have I have a beer I just started drinking. I'm not ready to, to get into this yet.
2: Is it because you it violates some type of moral code?
1: I think it might. Really? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> just don't feel like it's right to just kind of dive in like that.
2: You wanna more play? You gotta
1: you gotta romance me a little bit. We're going to talk about that.
2: Tell me about the first time you fucked. <laughs> nope,
1: nope. I, I need flowers. I need a little, a little sweet talk. I them. didn't have
2: really any success at all in high school with women. I I got hung up on one girl in particular who we both know, mm-hmm. who, as luck would have it, ended up marrying the first guy she ever dated. I mean, talk about
1: shit. Talk about a bad, <laughs> bad bet on that one.
2: I mean, how much? What is the in terms of like the. The lottery.
1: Oh, what? Like, <laughs> what?
2: is it more likely to get struck by lightning or for the <laughs> the girl that's kind of your first love to literally marry the guy that she started dating in eighth grade? Like, that doesn't really it happen. It doesn't
1: happen very often. Now, you got, you really, you really, that was could, a bad break. You picked the wrong horse in that race. And
2: I do, I do feel like things in life tend to even out and I've gotten some good breaks as well. So I don't really dwell on that. But that was pretty, that was a bad hand. And I think that on some level set me back, but you were able to take the more customary path, um, and that's why we're going to talk about how Bobby fucking is a. <laughs> no, we're not. Later on today's episode. We're probably
1: not. We're probably going to forget. But '97 was a good year. We were. Do you
2: think it? Do you think your ex-girlfriend in high school listens to the show? Never.
1: Right? Nope. Definitely not. Hmm. Why doesn't Bob want to talk about it? 97, we Your were... Your wife? No, she doesn't listen. No, she doesn't listen either. We know that. That's None of our
2: loved listen. ones listen to the show. No, my
1: mom doesn't know the show exists. <laughs> I would imagine Deb and Keith never listened to the throwback no, pod. No, no, no. So we're safe here. It's a safe space.
2: So why out with it?
1: It's just, it's not the right time.
2: You wear rubber? Of course. Gotcha.
1: As a kid in the 90s. we were We were horrified <laughs> by STDs. I was still ready to die of AIDS the next day. I mean, that's what we were told was going to happen in the 90s. That was it.
2: Do you think um, if you knocked up your high school girlfriend, you'd still be in Rockland County right now?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Probably.
2: It's a tough sitch.
1: Probably. Yeah. Right? Don't you think?
2: I think the whole problem with, yeah, getting your high school girlfriend pregnant, and that's why I chose to be celibate. (laughs) <laughs> in high school, is it really?
1: No, I remember when you took that full page ad out in the in the <laughs> Pearl River High School paper. Just I choose celibacy, and it was your picture, like very stoic, standing there. You were wearing a suit jacket, <laughs> holding the lapels. Uh,
2: no, you you kind of remembering it right, but I was wearing the suit jacket with the lapels and yep. I had a big smile. But it said in big block lettering, "Why I'm saving myself." <laughs>
1: and you had the teachers like give quotes too where it was like it's a very bold thing to do yeah miss finnegan like that kind of thing it was very cool
2: yeah thank you man um very important
1: we'll Um, we'll we'll upload that on the instagram page
2: (laughs) i think i might be jacking some uh plot elements of cruel intentions and the reese witherspoon (laughs) um all right this is we're going to talk about bob getting laid for the first time later in today's episode It happened in 1997, (laughs) and we are focusing today's podcast on a month in 1997, which was...
1: This month, July 97, late July, the Alternative Rock Countdown. Top 10 alt-rock songs of July 1997. Or if you were Bob
2: in 1997, Alternative Cock.
1: Well, July 97 definitely hadn't happened yet. Early in the year. We were still junior. Well, this was the summer between our junior and senior year. Wow. Right? Yeah.
0: hmm
1: Yep. So I was a camp counselor. And I think I started working at Hallmark at the uh, Nanuat Mall around that same time.
2: Great job for uh,
1: getting poomed. Was, nope, not at all. But I was working at Hallmark. I got fired when I started working at camp, and then I worked at The Gap afterwards. You were working at Walgreens, right? Yes. Or was that still ShopRite times?
2: Uh, no, ShopRite was very quick, and then Walgreens was a couple of years. So. ShopRite, they fired
1: you because you can't do math, basic math, right?
2: No, you actually got me fired from ShopRite. Did I? I did get written up twice for poor math skills, but um, I never stole.
1: But, oh, yes, I got you fired from ShopRite,
2: that's right. But I got I got banged with a um, no-call, no-show for Labor Day weekend, I was at Wildwood, at your mom's craft show. Yep. Um, so not like
1: my fault exactly. You just got—you could have called.
2: No, like I said, I'm I'm gonna take off, but I didn't really know how taking off worked. I guess, and they were like, uh, they never got back to me or something, and I just didn't go to work, and apparently I missed two days of work or something. Right. And they were like, I came to work Monday, like, uh, no, it's it's a wrap.
1: It's funny being uh, old fucks now and thinking about how much trust, like businesses put into 17 year old idiots it's insane
2: and you have to understand like no i wasn't good in math back then when you were a cashier at the largest grocery store in the town where it was just a nonstop flow of people everyone paid in cash yeah. or check uh, but most people's cash it's a lot of money changing hands like the, the kids today working behind registers with their Apple Pay and their <laughs> this and their that and their debit cards.
1: And their TikTok.
2: And their TikTok and their MySpace. Like they don't understand um
1: Oh, am I in your top am I in your top eight? It's like just pay me already.
2: Yeah, come on now, right. kids. Yeah. You Z manuals What are they? Zoomers? Yeah.
1: Big difference though. Big difference back then. Just wads of mom cash coming into your hands <laughs> at the shop right.
2: <laughs> so much mom cash. <laughs> and I'm you know, bagging the, the all the, the the items and you know, it's just a lot going on. Let's get into
1: it. Mucus just pouring out of your nose.
2: All right, here we go. We'll start outside the top 10 this month in 1997. Uh, how far outside? Number 21. I
0: hate the world today. You're so good to me. I know, but I can't change Tried to tell you but you Look at me like maybe I'm an angel underneath
2: I remember a big thing with Meredith Brooks, by the way
0: Yesterday I cried
2: Was her age Yes Do you remember that? There's a lot of heat around how old is Meredith Brooks Yep And she was very cagey about it Like you are about losing your virginity And um, everyone wanted to know And I'll tell you how old she was Right after this
0: one. I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child, I'm a mother, I'm a sinner, I'm a saint, I do not feel ashamed, I'm your help, I'm your dream, I'm nothing in between, you know you wouldn't want it any other way, so take me as
2: I am. And, the, and by the way, great this chorus, great 90s song, so tonight. good. Give It Up For Bitch by Meredith Brooks uh, which was a term of empowerment, Bob. Of course. And it led to her being able to play Lilith Fair for seven years in a row or whatever. Still playing to this day. The reason why, Bob, that she was cagey about it is she was born in 1958. Wow. So she was essentially look, uh, right around 40 and she didn't want anybody to know that shit.
1: Right. I mean, rock and roll is a young man's game.
2: Interesting. I'm You know, in 2002 she she produced Jennifer Love Hewitt's album Bare Naked
1: I did know that no I didn't know that <laughs> that's the only thing about music I know
2: I forgot that she put out an
1: album oh yeah
0: just when you think you, you got, got me figured out the seeds
1: You know, just like uh, the pre- our previous generation, they had the big, like, who's the next Bob Dylan? That was always, like, a thing. Right. We had who's the next Alanis Morissette. And Meredith Brooks was one of those people that immediately got labeled, like, oh, bitch, this is the next Alanis. Mm-hmm. It didn't quite pan out that way. But this was a big alt-rock song. It was on the modern rock stations. Mm-hmm.
2: This was not on K-Rock in New York.
1: This was definitely on K-Rock. No. Yeah, because it was an alternative rock song.
2: It wasn't, though. It but it was, was. It did not get the... Now, of course, I could be wrong, but as I recall, although it has, like, a, you know, crunchy guitars in it, it very much... I don't, I don't See, I think... This was uh, maybe Z100?
1: Definitely Z100. A
2: 95.5 p Definitely 95.5. And any other easy listening station. But I, I think, don't think it was on my I rock. think the,
1: the... Because it was bitch and it wasn't something, you know g rated I think it did get That little crossover Into the oh, alternative We can
2: get the answer We can It's impossible Matt Money Smith We could get K-Rock New York Yes Look to K-Rock LA Alright we gotta I'm find text out
1: them. Text him Text him while we do this While series. I
2: text him Let's just listen to a little Of Jennifer Love Hewitt's uh, Lead single Off Bare Naked No Ordinary Love <sighs>
0: Could
2: have been just another day. Yeah, That shit sucks. All right, <laughs> while I text money, let's uh, let's visit the other song. What? A, what who
1: do you think put out a better? Who do you think put out a better album, Jennifer Love Hewitt or Jamie Lynn Sigler? Because they both put out albums around the same time.
2: I don't know. I I would say or Lindsay Lohan. Who had better producers?
1: Or Paris Hilton. Let's put it all four of Well, them.
2: Paris Hilton had a banger, though. She had the stars go blind. That's, that's a good that's song. That's
1: That wasn't that bad.
2: No, that was good, Bob. Like, good.
1: One of my weirdest uh, experiences in my entire career was when I was working at Best Week Ever and the Paris Hilton sex tape came out, happened, and we got a copy of it. And it arrived... I think it was addressed to me because I was the one that like put in the request for it. And I went like running down the hallway being like, I have the Paris Hilton sex tape that everybody's talking about. And the entire staff of Best Week Ever, including like the executive producers and everybody, all came into my cubicle. And we all watched the Paris Hilton sex That's tape
2: together. so weird. And it's such a sign of the times that, yep. that could never and never, would never happen.
1: Never, 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 never.
2: We have a friend, I won't say who it is, who had a copy of that and watched it so much. <laughs> I think you know who it is. <laughs> I do. Watched that tape so much, The it was a DVD, that he burned it out. <laughs> and you wouldn't think like, you know, maybe the Pam and Tommy tape from the 90s. Someone might have done that. Because well, because that was, Pam.
1: and it was also a physical tape. So the more you play it, the more
2: it degrades. Degradation
1: that happens. A DVD should theoretically last like forever,
2: right? And you know, Tommy Lee was built like a skyscraper. So that was like that's really <laughs> good content if you're into that realm. Pam's an icon. He was built like a skyscraper. <laughs> Paris Hilton, like you wouldn't think someone would burn out a DVD. No. Um. Anyway, the text is out to Matt Money Smith, Okay, good. the yeah, former I'm... director of programming for K-Rock, which actually isn't his title, and he always corrects me, but it was something like that. Something like that. He was a power player. Look,
1: any episode where we can inconvenience money, <laughs> I feel like it's a good episode. <laughs> it's also 1130
2: when I send that text. <laughs> All right, here we go. This absolute classic of the decade, which we might have talked about on the show before, but We, we can remember, yeah. Uh, came in at number 39 this week in 1997. The celebrity sex tape is over.
1: Oh, it's gotta be, yeah.
2: Because there's the social mores have changed completely. And if the woman comes out and says I did not clear this there's going to be a movement to say no one should
1: watch it. well there's going to be a big backlash with the Pam and Tommy Hulu series based on that
2: I can't wait to watch that
1: I know I can't wait gonna burn out that Hulu
2: I got an answer from money
1: he's so good I know so quick
2: he loves it all right let's listen it's what you Love it. I mean, if you uh, the most 90s songs like this is the 90s, this is right there. For me. This, this might be in the top 10. Like when I think if I had to make some coming of age 90s Hulu series and God knows they haven't produced one yet. Um, I would use this song. Absolutely. In one of the episodes like to close an app.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, everybody goes with the on the nose Nirvana type songs to capture the 90s, but this was on all the time, everywhere. And it's just so good. It really does capture that moment with that sample that was then sampled again by uh, Dua Lipa somewhat recently. Yes. It's just such a great... Those strings are just so cool.
2: Very 90s. I Can Never Be Your Woman. What the fuck is that about? Here's the um, Dua Lipa sample, which we have hit the stage now where modern artists will be able to pick and choose from the songs that we grew up with. Mm -hmm. You just hope it's done well.
1: I think Dua did it well.
2: She has good taste, or her producers do.
1: Yeah, she's got good producers.
2: Here it is. It's good.
1: Good Yeah, comes in again. It's a good song.
2: All right, let's get into it. Oh, here's money. Here's money.
1: Where did Meredith Brooks fall? Where did that? old lady Meredith Brooks
2: (laughs) I texted please settle a debate did K-Rock play bitch by Meredith Brooks one word answer
1: yes whoa
2: he wrote I remember her coming into Kevin and Bean and saying to myself damn she's old
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I almost choked on my (laughs) beer
2: um Money ads. We played all of them. Jewel, Sarah McLaughlin, Sean Colvin, Meredith Brooks. Did an acoustic Xmas Day with the Ladies Only, and now this is where I will um, dig my heels in. I know what you're gonna. We yeah. didn't grow up out here, right? Right. So I don't really have an understanding of what K Rock truly was about, other than our conversations with Money. K Rock New York did not do anything like that. Now, K Rock
1: Ma- K Rock New York hated women. <laughs> <laughs> Just flat out they would say that that was part Just of their story. promo
2: K-Rock in New York never played a woman once right I don't even think they played Alanis Morissette <laughs> like not even joking do you ever um, remember a female artist getting any run in the 90s on New York rock radio only
1: one Meredith Brooks Taking <laughs> my heels in too done
2: <laughs> now we're gonna find the K-Rock New York music <laughs> director fuck fuck alright let's get into it number 10 this week 1997 off the just on the title alone don't know it oh yeah oh yeah fucking love this song me
1: too I'm so excited
2: I'm adding this to my deep alternative playlist
1: this song, and I have a distinct memory in like the early 2000s Having on sex with a girlfriend in high school. Not that on LimeWire, trying to find this song, but I didn't know who sang it, I didn't know what it was called. I just remembered it from the 90s, and it was so hard to it's find. A tough one. And eventually, I can't even remember how I found it, but I was so happy that I found K's choice. <laughs> not an addict. This song is so good.
2: It's so good. Yes.
1: On your Look, on your uh your Hulu 90s series, play White Town all you want. I'm starting my HBO Max series with this. Oh, that's good. I'm going going deep.
2: This would be good if you ever got hired as a staff writer on Euphoria, like if they were like I know we're a high school teen drama and hiring a 41-year-old dad uh, <laughs> living in the suburbs outside LA maybe seems like an out-of-touch maneuver, but we got to get cash in here.
1: <laughs> and they bring me in and they're like, what do you got for us? Case and, I, choice. and I just pull out a boom box. <laughs>
2: Put on b-boy glasses.
1: <laughs> Take out a cassette, blow off the cassette, have trouble opening it with the plastic. Do Pull the
2: uh, vanilla ice dance from Ice <laughs> Ice Baby.
1: <laughs> like, who is this fucking guy? Put this in and then show him what's up. And then I'm like, oh wait, do you guys have any D batteries? I forgot to forgot to put batteries in this thing.
2: <laughs> like, D what?
1: Run to the store, grab some Ds, come back. Case choice.
2: How is this song released in July 1995 and on this on this countdown?
1: I mean, it must have been the slowest slow burn in history. It wasn't... I can't believe it was a top 10 to anything because I don't remember it being a big song at all.
2: Are we sure we have that right? Yeah. Huh. We're right. Maybe it got a little of a slow roll out to America.
1: That must be it.
2: Um, There is a Netflix series, speaking of the streaming wars, um, called, I think it's like... Pop or something. Have
1: you okay. seen
2: this? Nope. And they do a whole episode on Britpop. And I hesitated at first because I thought it was going to be like a very um, rough sketch of every story you've ever heard about Blur Oasis.
1: People have tweeted at us to watch this. I've yeah, not seen it yet. It's
2: like um, with a dash of Tony Blair talk and then
1: a Blair little Blair of talk.
2: this, little of that. And it'd be like, okay, this is very surfacey. No, it's a great, great primer on exactly how things went down um, in Britain um, in that time. And Blur came out before Oasis. They beat him by a couple of years out out of the gate. Um, and they and there's a great story that there's a bassist. I believe he's the bassist for Blur, who um, now is a cheese farmer mm-hmm. somewhere. In the far, you know, the farmland of England, and he's telling the story of when they first started out. They were deep into. Does
1: he live in a? Does he live in a country house? Fuck you! That's a, it's a joke. For, that was a joke for the Blur fans. I, I just thought oh, the God. I just thought the Blur fans would like that Holy one. Holy shit, Bob! Fuck, it's worth it.
2: Um, they get into financial problems, so they have to hit the road and go on a marathon tour of America in 1991. Right when Nevermind drops. And nobody wants to hear their music uh, because everyone's about Nirvana and grunge and all that stuff. They go back to England and they're like, "For our next album, fuck it. Every all anyone talks about right now is American music and culture. We're going to make the most British uh, music ever, mm-hmm. and that's what uh, Park Life was, and that whole album, and the next couple albums, and of course, Country House, Bob. Yeah, yeah, which went against Roll with It and all that stories. But to bring it all back around. Britpop ends. They they roughly ended at like '97 when "Be Here Now" by Oasis comes out, and then quietly Blur puts out an album that has this song as the single, and it's the best uh, Nirvana ripoff anyone ever wrote ever. <laughs> so they came completely full circle. Yeah. This, of course, is song two.
0: Woo-hoo! Yeah. boat check It wasn't easy But nothing else
1: And this song, I mean, so good. It's a cover, right? No. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure they're covering my performance at the Battle of the <laughs> Bands in 1998. When I performed this. Like,
2: I knew he was going to tell this story, but how would he get it? When into I performed
1: it? this with our friend's band, Five Minute Major, and just fucking killed it.
2: You know what it's like when, at your wedding, which by the way, that's coming up your anniversary, right?
1: Yeah, it just happened. 11 years. How about that? 11 years.
2: And they said it wouldn't last.
1: I say that all the time to her. (laughs) And she's like, I agree, but somehow we're still here.
2: You know how I know Bob's marriage is going to make it? Everybody. We took a little break between podcasts today. Heather calls Bob's wife. And Heather just wants to talk to her man, her partner.
1: And I took the call. He takes the call. First of all, takes the call. He takes the call, number one. <laughs> and then number two, then we're taking a little dinner break,
2: having our little snackies. <laughs> Got the Yankee game on in the background. And, you know, we just finished one podcast. We're getting ready for this one. And Heather's
1: talking. And she's talking. And she she's had a lot to say. A lot had to, so say. to say. She's <laughs> to talk about it
2: soccer thing going on with the sun and this other thing going on and this was going on and Bob just listened and threw in a yep and he threw in a oh right right and threw in a I know Rita's like that sometimes and just stayed out of the way and then when Heather finished downloading her information yeah he said okay I'll see you I'll see you in the morning good (laughs) night." I mean that was it was a master class in how to play the game I only
1: I only got, I only had one. um, Are you still there? I only got one of those. (laughs) So I was doing good with my responses.
2: And I, and I said it to you right after the call. It's so interesting how marriages are different. And my wife and I would never have a conversation like that. Uh, We would see each other the next day in like the case that you're in. And then she would maybe tell me that, or she maybe she'd forget entirely, and we'd never have that conversation.
1: No, I've seen your wife attempt to talk to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the reason I bring up Heather, why did I bring up Heather? I bring up Heather because oh, when you got married eleven years ago,
1: yeah, yeah, okay,
2: <laughs> and your stepdad seems strong, but no, your, I would no. yes, your mother's second husband. Um, when he did, like, the Hava Nagila dance, or whatever right the fuck.
1: That was your favorite moment of my wedding, I think. Because that's the only thing I think you remember. It
2: was not close. Um And I gave the best man speech. Great, the great better speech. man. Great speech. Um Afterwards, I'll never forget this as long as I live, I went to use the restroom. And as I was walking back, he did this, like, dance where he's just, like, going nuts and you know, it was the Hora. He, it was the horror. Thank you. Um, he was doing the horror, and like all oh, the Jews were into it. He was
1: having his moment.
2: And the Gentiles were like, I don't know what's going on here, but this is fun. Yeah. We're having a good time. At one point, his cigarette spilled out of his pocket. And he does like this desperate crawl on the ground to get the cigarettes because he needs his fucking cigarettes. And, and they even cheer that. I mean, this was just <laughs> a huge moment uh, for Howie, uh, your father's second husband. My father's
1: second husband.
2: (laughs) Your mother's second husband. And um, as I returned from the restroom after, he got a huge round of applause. Major pop. Oh, yeah. Um, He's just, he's standing outside. He's propped the door open because of California smoking laws. And he's just taking a big drag on, what does he smoke? Camels. Don't know. Cools. Don't pay attention. And he just takes, and he, he exhales, and he's just looking out at the horizon. And it was just a man just like enjoying the moment. Like mm. this was, I had a moment here. Uh, no one is luckier than I am today, groom included. And uh, that was you after you did song two <laughs> at the uh, high school talent show. I don't even know what the I don't even it know was. what it was. I think it was, battle, I think of the it was battle of the Bands, but
1: there were only our school only had two bands. So,
2: so it wasn't like a, a great battle. You're right. But anyway, you uh, you were so filled with happiness after that, that nobody could. Be like, well, you know could well, not really hear you I singing. killed
1: it despite not knowing the words Because there was no internet, so I didn't know what the lyrics were
2: Didn't you do woohoo?
1: Well, I did woohoo, and then I just kind of made up the rest of it And Good. I was—I know I was definitely wearing my bucket hat That's all I remember
2: See, if we were in another generation This would all be on someone's phone right now I know,
1: a lot of phones With millions of views
2: Think. So Country House beats Roll with it When both singles were released at, On the same day And it was the big battle of Britpop And Blur was declared the winner But then Wonder All dropped And What's the Story Morning Glory Became a phenomenon right. uh, Unlike anything Britain had seen since the Beatles So Oasis was essentially declared the winner They won the war Even if Blur won the battle Do you think he gets slept on a little bit? That Blur was the last band to have a like an American hit. Song two came out in '97.
1: Is that accurate? Is that real?
2: They don't get a lot of pop for that song too. It's just kind of thought. It's like an right. afterthought. Right, right. But they won the and listen. I'm Team Oasis, but I just want to be fair here. Maybe Blur. Maybe it's a draw because they got the last hit. Also,
1: now I get what you're saying. Let me just think food about. For thought. It. I I mean, I think ultimately you're disrespecting Sugar Ray by having this meaningless talk over one of the best songs of the 90s.
2: You mean Super Cat? Because it's the only person I respect in this group.
1: In our last episode, uh, when we listened to Better Than Ezra, we talked about The King of New Orleans, about how you had that feeling when you heard it, that this is going to be a big song, this is a a great alternative rock song, this is going to be huge, and then ultimately you're not correct. This is one of those songs where if you heard it the first time, I remember hearing it, you knew this was going to be huge. Because this was doing everything right for 1997.
2: Right, this is the best part of the song. great. Listen to that. And now Mark McGrath, of all people. Yeah. Great vocal here.
1: This part right here.
0: All around the world, statues crumble for me. Who knows
1: how long I've loved you.
2: I don't know what he says there. I always thought it was (laughs) you might 10. Uh, Fly by Sugar Ray.
1: I mean, it's hard to separate it from what the song became, but you have to place yourself in a world where this wasn't a song that existed yet and imagine hearing it for the first time. Right. When and tell
2: so- me it's not something that you would be into.
1: Right. When like Sublime was super big and Beck and all of this stuff was happening, this song just hit that sweet spot and was tremendous because of it.
2: Do you think it was tough for SuperCat, who's He's the guy that is saying, you're on a fly. Do you think it was tough for him after the um, Paul Abdul song opposites attract with that cat
1: mc scat cat
2: mc scat cat do you think he was like that was so stupid so titanically dumb to have a cartoon cat rapping that song my career will never get off the ground and what a triumph it was six years <laughs> later to be able to pull it off
1: <laughs> no it's a, it's honestly i'm very i think about that every morning when i wake up that if super cat could overcome that, those odds anybody can
2: uh, we talked about the MTV book, I Want My MTV. Paul Abdul comes up occasionally, and it's only in a derogatory sense. Yes, I remember that. It's like that. Paul Abdul, she couldn't sing. She couldn't sing. She to- was the worst singer ever to be on MTV. It's like, you guys, you don't have to go out of your way to bury this girl. <laughs> like She didn't do anything with you.
1: We didn't properly get into to Fly. I mean, it, it's, I guess... Go ahead, Bob. Do you want me to start
2: the song over? Because I will. I don't (laughs) give a fuck. No, I don't want you to. I have nowhere to go.
1: (laughs) Maybe we did properly get (laughs) do it. I don't think we're supposed (laughs) to do it again. (laughs) No, actually, we don't have to do it again. Never mind.
2: No, but it was a huge hit. And another band that was actually somewhere on this countdown. (laughs) We are playing it again. um, uh, Smash Mouth. They had Walking on the Sun that right. came out this year. And that was a cool song. It was that was like cool. It kind of right. had a bit of a retro feel, like surf rock type thing. And yep. it had a really good like, memorable hook to it. And then everything they did after that just was increasingly embarrassing. Uh, and in retrospect, you can't take anything they did seriously. But when these songs came out, they were like, oh, this is kind of a cool yeah. new type of song on the radio. Yep. I don't know. Uh, we've also talked I about mean, we like some of those bad sugar Ray songs. We were in
1: 1997 in the summer of 97. We were drunk at the Fourth of July parade, walking down the street, singing "Fly." Right, that's what you were doing at 17.
2: And why not? That's why shit, not? Sketchy as hell. <laughs> I'm just happy for Super Cat because that cartoon cat that was banging Paul Abdul wasn't that cat banging cartoon cat in the video they were like having sex in it right?
1: that's where feline AIDS came from that's where it all started
2: you gotta wrap it up cats what is this this is uh, Billy Corgan losing the plot
1: oh got it okay the boy that
0: cried.
2: And just so everyone knows Fly by Sugar Ray was a number one song For four consecutive weeks Billboard Hot 100 Airplay chart
1: Not surprising at all
2: Eight weeks at the number one spot on the modern rock chart And uh, it was number one in Canada too And the fucking album sold two million copies And the song was included on VH1's countdown Of the 100 greatest songs of the 90s at number 52 Where's VH1? Where are
1: we at? I don't know where they're at. That is really high. It's
2: pretty high.
0: <laughs>
2: Speaking of VH1, and you used to work for VH1. I did. On Best Week Ever. Yes. That show that um,
1: And the VH- launched many careers. And the VH1 Goes Inside series as well.
2: Real Viacom star, you were about. There you go. VH1's beginnings were not just humble, but kind of depressing. Oh. You learn in that book. Yeah. They only launched it because they wanted something to have to take away the buzz from Ted Turner launching his own music channel in like 1986 or something. They're like, it can't be good. Make it bad. It only needs to exist to take the shine off Ted Turner so MTV doesn't have to compete with Ted Turner. We just want this shitty fake network to compete and steal Buzz away from Ted Turner. That was the only reason VH1 was created. I mean, that's what... That is some soggy-ass foundation. It's
1: a soggy-ass <laughs> foundation, and it makes sense when you think about what VH1 was in the 90s. Nobody liked VH1. Nobody. It was... Honestly, it was... Nobody ever talked about VH1 until I Love the 80s came out.
2: It was known as kind of like the old people M T V. Or, TV. sorry,
1: behind the music,
2: obviously. Right, behind the music. Right, that's what put it on the
1: map, but... Yeah, it was just bad music videos. It was just all Don Henley music videos.
2: That's all it was. Yeah. It was just every Don Henley single. Ever. Not even Eagles. That was too hard. Nope. This song is awful.
1: This is terrible.
2: This was on the Batman and Robin soundtrack, I remember. Like, as if everything went wrong. (laughs) Right down to the soundtrack, they had all these hits on Batman Forever. And then, like, Smashing Pumpkins are the biggest rock band in the country. We get a song from them, and we're flying. And this is what they delivered to them. They must have been like, what? What? don't have another bullet with butterfly wings on you?
1: Or just after, I mean, having seen that movie in the theaters, they, Smashing Pumpkins probably delivered them a great song, and they were like, no, make it worse.
2: Make it way worse. Make it
1: worse. Make it, make it unbearable. Yeah, I can't listen to this. This is just miserable.
2: Are there... If you're a Smashing Pumpkins fan and you like the song Please
1: Explain to us why This part's okay For a second
2: Was Batman and Robin we saw that together um, With our friend Sam Uh Who came up earlier in today's episode Oh and
1: now she's been named (laughs) I wasn't going to say it I like how you out yourself You deep throat yourself I don't give a fuck Um, You deep throat yourself
2: Uh, Is that the worst movie you ever saw in a theater?
1: No Weekend of Bernie's 2 Was the worst movie I saw in the theaters Here's just
2: a collection of Mr. Freeze puns from Batman and Robin
1: That's all I remember (laughs) from seeing it (laughs) Are you sure that's what this is?
2: Let tell you. Here we go.
0: The Iceman cometh. Nice. I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. <laughs> In this universe, there's only one absolute. Everything freezes. Freezes. Is that true? <laughs> You're not <setting> cooler. <laughs> what killed the dinosaurs?
1: Did I say. I, I was gonna say
2: I'll turn this off when you can. You can say one ahead of one. I say. Okay. I ah, after frozen, your
1: room will plummet back to Gotham. Please, well, cool, Bird Boy. stay cool, Bird Boy. Can you be cold, Batman? All right, no more. <laughs> I mean, it was to our credit that movie arrived with a lot of hype, and I think we saw it opening weekend, so we didn't know that it was going to be terrible when we got there. And I just remember being in the theater and by like the midpoint, the three of us were just laughing at every single line, just being like, Oh my God, this is so bad.
2: And Batman had built up so much goodwill because Batman, Tim Burton, those first two were just huge movies that everybody saw. And then Batman forever. I saw it recently and it's pretty bad actually. Um, that was was the one with Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones as the Riddler and Two Face. Right, like they were taken on water there. But I think as a fifteen year old when it came out, I was still into it. Um, but by the time, that legitimately, Batman and Robin sunk the franchise,
1: right. And there was never another superhero movie. That was it
2: again. Trust us.
1: Oh my God, it's happening.
2: If you've ever wondered what was the big single off the follow-up to Throwing Copper, it is this. Yes. Wrist litter. I
0: had a professor,
2: um, I was at Northeastern, my alma mater, who had this like catchphrase that was really strange. But here's the course. Profoundly boring, depressing song. But anyway, he he had a very um, he's uh, very sar- sarcastic and was a witty guy. But whenever he was trying to make a point about something being depressing, hmm. he'd say, Yeah, you know, and that's why Mussolini came to power. And if uh, I was a villager at that time, and he'd know he was setting it up, and like mm-hmm. here it comes, he'd go, I would just draw a warm bath and break out the razor blades. And he said it like. 50 times over the course of the semester Wow Draw a warm bath and break out the razor blades That's how he would like punctuate And I wonder what happened
1: I <laughs> mean I don't want to be the one to tell you Here on this podcast but that guy Definitely killed himself in a bathtub
2: If you're a Northeastern uh, Alum <laughs> and you had this uh, Professor please contact me Money still has it saved on his phone, my tweet, where I listed my favorite, the top five live songs. <laughs> this song was not one of them. This no, was it was This is such a turgid, like, piece of
1: poop. I mean, my only memory of the song for real was when we were doing our mixtapes for going to, like, the Jersey Shore, where we were just drink a bunch of wine coolers and walk the boardwalk and bother girls i
2: was drinking jack daniels but you guys are drinking cherry blast all oh, right uh, and james
1: pina colada bartles and James's. <laughs> and jack daniels um we got to all make our mixtapes and our friend mike and it was all like party vibe party yeah we
2: picked four songs each right. or whatever five songs each and we each had our turn to build but we didn't know we kind of we were so precious about it and i will say adorable that we would give each other privacy when we were making the tape so we wouldn't know what was on it until the, the time came. And uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, we would just pass it around. You, would just, you wouldn't rewind. You would just record your song and then pass it on to the next guy. And then we would get to the hotel room, crack open some Bartles and James, <laughs> and fucking rage. And uh, our friend Mike put Turn My Head by Live on there. <laughs> Absurd. Doing his best because he knows we like Live, right. but not quite getting the point.
2: Because it was a single. Right. <laughs> it is a song that makes me want to draw a warm bath and break out the razor blades I Oh my god,
1: say. I've never known anybody more dead than that guy
2: <laughs> Oh no, I hope not, he's a nice guy
1: <laughs> I mean, so, profoundly depressed, clearly
2: By the way, this is not the top 100 countdown, I don't think we've made it clear No, I said so, it on the
1: top of the show, I said What is it? The alternative rock or modern rock yeah, countdown Yeah,
2: because Turn My Head was not touching the top 10 no uh, that was in fact let me see one, neither three, was three, I
1: three. by smashing pumpkins
2: so that was number 6 uh, secret samadhi's single turn my head up next the difference by the wallflowers Ah, the best Dylan.
1: Wait a second.
2: Jacob Dylan.
1: You know who I'm into? Pablo Dylan.
2: That's not a person. It's
1: Bob Dylan's grandson. And he's a singer-songwriter. All right. Check him out. Pablo Dylan.
2: You yeah, but... Name one song by Pablo Dylan. I have
1: one song on my Spotify that I've been listening to.
2: What is with you? You said on your way over here today, you were listening to Bono's son's band. Yep. Inhaler. I like Offspring. So you're just all into the Offspring. All into the Offspring. You obviously had to love The Wallflowers.
1: I liked The Wallflowers a lot, although I decided in 2021, I'm going to get big into The Wallflowers. They just put out a new album today as well. What? They did. And I heard two songs off of it, and it's really good. So I'm um, back in on The Wallflowers in 2021. Who that, saw that coming?
2: That is a train that has a lot of space. <laughs> no, we, we, we did this album like 14 years ago on this podcast. And the best thing I could say about The Wallflowers in retrospect, and this song's fine.
1: It it's very a good.
2: solid single. I yeah. like it. One um, Headlight, of course, is excellent and a warhorse in the 90s rock uh, world. Sixth Avenue Heartache is awesome with Adam Duritz, backing Box, all good stuff. But to me, they ultimately, their job was when Bruce Springsteen disappeared for a decade in the 90s. Like, you needed somebody that was making, like, Springsteen-like rock. And I, I'm happy, in retrospect, that the Wallflowers filled that void. Right. As a Springsteen guy.
1: And then the wallflowers disappeared in the two thousands and now they're back in twenty twenties. And um and am I gonna let it affect my perception of the band, knowing that Jacob Dylan, having seen Echo in the Canyon, knowing that Jacob Dylan is the most humorless void of personality person charisma on the planet. Free. Charisma free drone. Just fucking nothing burger of a person. A no total nothing I'm not burger. gonna let that bother me.
2: He basically uh, led to the total incineration of any promise for that documentary.
1: It could have been such a good documentary, Echo in the Canyon. Imagine imagine
2: this if you haven't seen this documentary. (laughs) Imagine a documentary about the folk rock scene emanating out of Los Angeles. Laurel Canyon. Laurel Canyon in the 60s and 70s. And imagine a documentary that has so many... Good people involved
1: because you have access because your dad was Bob Dylan. Your
2: dad is fucking Bob Dylan. So your documentary opens with you walking through a Los Angeles record shop with fucking Tom fucking Petty, and not being able to wring anything out of that.
1: Nothing. And throughout the throughout the documentary, he's I, I assume in his house with Beck and Regina oh, Spe- and Regina Spector and Cat Power and all of these interesting his interesting peers who want to talk about the scene and then go perform the songs. And he's the, he's the focal point. He's the interviewer. And he's just right. bringing nothing to it to and the point like, where Beck, who barely has a personality <laughs> is like looking around and being like, Oh, I've got to be the one that fucking brings it right now.
2: Beck, who has like a Tom Cruise chip planted in his head to tell him <laughs> what to do at all times. He's just like, I got to save, around. I got
1: to save this shit.
2: <laughs> like when you, uh, Jacob Dylan, handsome, very handsome man. Um, lineage cannot be topped. Nope. I mean, you're Bob Dylan's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you yourself, with your band, the Ballflowers, have had platinum level success. So you have that credibility. You have everything, except for any type of personality. <laughs> like there is just nothing. Dead from the no- neck up.
1: <laughs> nothing. But I'm still gonna get. Dig into the wallflowers this year. If you
2: kid, only see. Yes, I'd rather get
1: into tonic. Why not?
2: There could be a lemon parade reissue coming out. <laughs> you never know. Why I
0: feel this way about our love and what I must do. If you could only see how blue her eyes can be when she says. When she says she loves me
2: this, this is a song that feels like it was genetically engineered. Like it was created in a lab to be a modern rock hit in 1997. Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing that feels real or authentic or lived in or original about it. And yet, I know it because it was a huge hit. It was number four on this countdown. But is there anything that strikes you as I don't know that raw or like truly artistic in it? I feel like it's just so processed in middle of the road that it almost makes you know, me middle want of the road.
1: Middle of the road is the perfect word. I was going to say it was like the Mendoza line of rock songs.
2: Where's the fucking heart? Where's the guts? Where's the blood? It was
1: right in that middle it was able to hit that sweet spot of like, I didn't have an opinion on it where I was annoyed and I would turn it off. And I never sought this song out or wanted to listen to it. It was right there where it was just a song on the radio for 18 months. And that was it.
2: It's a thing that made noise for four minutes and 22 seconds. Yeah. And it's a thing that some people liked <laughs> and some people hated and some people never thought of it again, but it's not, it's not a piece. It's not, it's not art.
1: And I'm not it's gonna the opposite of art. And I'm not gonna hate on Tonic because again, I don't have an opinion on Tonic, despite the fact it's they kitsch. had they had multiple hits. Multiple hits. And I, I will say this is not my favorite Tonic song. But I this was this, prob- this was probably their biggest song, I would imagine, right?
2: Oh, had to be. What would even be in the conversation?
1: Well, their best song is You Wanted More.
2: Are you going to make me pick another Tonic song to I, check out? I got to on you, You're a
1: dick. If we're going to have to listen to a Tonic song on this countdown...
2: If you can't. Oh, fuck you. I am not playing that song What's the name again. of that I'm album? never listening to that song again.
1: What was the name of their album? Like Honey Parade or something? Lemon Party. <laughs> something like that, right?
2: All right, this is You Wanted More.
1: Yeah, this is their best song.
2: It's like, what if you took Collective Soul and removed anything that had a pulse within collective no, just soul
1: wait for the chorus
2: i mean if you're trying to draw blood out of collective soul and that's like a, a fucking hunk of stone you gotta get some heart and soul let's let's hit up collective soul and roland and harvest his bones <laughs> I don't know why it's so manic. I have no idea. Just
1: why. you'll you'll stop being mad right now. Listen to this part.
2: I think this is from like American Pie or something.
1: I think it was, yeah.
2: I think it's what I'm trying to say, uh, and maybe I'm just not being eloquent about it. But it's it's to me the most disposable in a decade. Like you know, music always has disposable elements to it. Uh, every decade, but Tonic to me is the most disposable music. Of no, the I alternative agree. Rock I had no
1: respect for Tonic in the '90s, nor today. Like, that, show me a Tonic fan. But that said, you wanted more. But, you know, that's a great, great chorus.
2: I think Henry Rowengartner loses virginity at the end of American Pie to that song. <laughs> and now back to Bob.
1: Fuck, you were able to bring it back with that Henry Rohngartner reference.
2: I feel like if you ever went back and watched American Pie, and I don't think anyone ever has, <laughs> it would not go well. No, definitely not. I don't not. think there'd be anything, What I mean, maybe Eugene Levy, because he's having a moment because of the uh, ever overrated Schitt's Creek.
1: Oh, you're really digging your heels in on this now. <laughs> I like how you kept it quiet for a long time, and now you're just going to outwardly not like Schitt's Creek. <laughs> how long until you outwardly admit you don't like Ted Lasso? Are we going to have to wait for that? Until twenty twenty three. No, I,
2: there's too many. Um, you can't say it. Too many English fans of the of uh, the podcast that um, I enjoy, <laughs> and I think that would really set me back. Yeah,
1: you can't look career wise. Can't get that out there.
2: Like people, people can never know that I think Ted Lasso is the most generic. It's like the tonic of the streaming oh, television fuck shows.
1: You, you're so wrong, <laughs> and you know I hate everything. You're so wrong.
2: I can't believe, of all the shows you choose to get behind, and you get behind no shows, Bob, it's Ted Lasso.
1: It's so good.
2: And I do love Apple Plus. There's a lot of good programming that people (laughs) have yet to discover there.
1: Why do you love Apple Plus so much, Dan?
2: Here's Matchbox 20. I I don't
1: know if I've ever been good
0: enough. I'm a little bit rusty, and I think my head is caving in. And I don't know if I've ever
2: been really loved by, him. by the way, this is now this is why I'm a piece of shit hypocrite. Matchbox 20 is every bit as soulless as tonic.
1: <laughs> no, I disagree.
2: And yet, and yet, this song always did something for me.
1: We, we hated Matchbox 20 more in the 90s when these two songs came out. But now as fully grown adults we can appreciate a matchbox 20
2: i think as they were adult contemporary from the start for right. 40 year olds
1: Yep.
2: Hypothetical. Hypothetical time. I'm going to Mr. Destiny you in a big spot.
1: Oh, wow.
2: I'm going to wrong Belushi you in the biggest <laughs> of all spots.
1: Sad Belushi me?
2: <laughs> um, would you be open to Mr. Destinying yourself into Rob Thomas's life? starting in 1997 1996 at 96 you switch you hit a home run into the the lights of Pearl River High School non-existent lights but they put them up they erected them for right above a freshman baseball game it's, it's, <laughs> for some wait, reason it's the
1: lights right above the billboard that you took out of your proclamation of your virginity <laughs> lapels why i'm saving myself <laughs> so the lights are right above that same picture of your smiling face
2: why i wait <laughs> um would you like to say goodbye to bob castron and say hi i'm rob thomas
1: so i'm 16 rob thomas is what 23 maybe let's say 23 and then we just switch forever yep
2: I like this part. So crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, don't rush this the fuck is this song about?
1: I don't think I would do it at sixteen. I, w- I wouldn't have accepted that deal at about sixteen.
0: Now?
1: Well, do I know? But I know too much now, so I can't possibly do that. But at 16, I feel like I wouldn't have wanted to skip seven years in, of my prime or what I thought was going to be my prime. Let's be honest.
2: Just a prime that never showed up.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't have uh, foregone that to switch bodies with some schlubby uh, modern oh, okay, rock star yeah. that I didn't respect. So I wouldn't have done it. I would have passed on that deal in 1996. I if respect I, that. If I could have switched places with Art Alexakis back then, I probably would have done it. Wouldn't Big have, mistake. Wouldn't have been the right move.
2: And then you would, when someone said, um, oh, actually, if you would have stayed yourself, you would have had more money in 2021 <laughs> than the Everclear guy. And like
1: a beautiful wife and healthy kids and all that stuff. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. You, everyone should know Art Alexakis is the lead singer of Everclear. It's not they really kno- common knowledge. They know. It's not really common they
1: knowledge. They know.
2: All right, here's the number two song this week in 1997. A song that I always really grinded in my gears. Really? Yeah.
1: I didn't know that.
0: Have you ever been close to tragedy?
2: Bothered me about the lyrics of it why just the i don't know it's such a primitive rhyming scheme that and i know it shouldn't it's something that i should or whatever it is because so oh, that would be good it just seems so elementary
1: it's i mean it's not it's not like rob thomas level poetry but
2: i want to push you around
1: wait now i want to Make listen to it down. i want to listen to it with your ears now right. play it up play it That's not that bad. I mean he rhymes
2: could with wood with good. Yeah, so. This part is pretty good, I gotta say.
1: i like
0: that if I was I
2: i like that. That's actually Alright, might be coming around on a little bit. I that's that's almost profound.
1: Maybe you were just carrying some ska baggage with you that you weren't kind of taking it seriously or you were kind of like more annoyed by it than you would have been.
2: I think so. It really got a lot of play to it. it was played into the ground. Yes. I'm not a coward. I've just never been tested. I'd like to think that if I was, I would pass. That's pretty good.
1: It's pretty good. It's pretty profound. I like that. I, I liked the song. I liked uh, the boss tones. I had this album and the one before it. And uh, I kind of liked ska at the time. Our friend Brian was a big Ska fan, big time. and he put together a Ska playlist for us to do an episode about that we do have to do at some point or Brian will stop being our friends. Just so you know.
2: I know, because I love Brian so much.
1: We do have to do it.
2: I, yeah, that one, I'm, I'm excited. back on a little bit. Uh,
1: <laughs> I think it would be fun to really just dig into some Ska.
2: Because there's no way, it, this is my issue with it, uh, because I'm not like a Ska guy on any level. Um, I think you were more receptive to it. If I... I know I'm not going to love it because it's just not my thing. And if I really hate it, I know Brian's going to be hurt and mad <laughs> that I'm just tearing apart this music that meant so much for him. So I'm trying to figure out what's in it for me, You've ultimately. You've
1: been tearing apart the music that means so much to him since 1996. So I feel like he'll be okay with it.
2: I... I try not to, especially now uh, that I'm older. I have more respect for what people are into and what makes them happy. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like dunking on the seminal music of his youth is something I look to do in modern times.
1: You don't want to really like rip real big fish, a new one just to <laughs> teach Brian a lesson the way that you did with mustard plug. <laughs> Got to teach Brian a lesson about mustard <laughs> plug.
2: Skankin' and pickle needs to pay. <laughs> All right, the number one song, it ruled the world. In 1997, Third Eye Blind. That's a dick joke. I'm
0: holding, I'm sobbing holdin', silly, bends she, she goes down, she lives for me. Says she lives for me, a salvation. Who a motivation, she comes out and she goes down to me. And I'll make you smile like a tough for you. Do whatever what you want to do coming over you. Keep on smiling what we go through.
2: did this album we did and i will again stand by it again the guy that came down so hard on tonic thinks that the third eyed blind debut was functionally perfect (laughs) i think it's 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 one of the great debut albums of the decade stephen jenkins is a major league doucher hall of fame doucher even Mm mm-hmm I, but you know what? So was Axl Rose and a hundred other great rock stars. Um, <laughs> I just, and this is a great, it's played out to hell if you're our age at this point. But when we first heard this, same thing. Oh, what is this? First, Who is this? Yep. This is fucking
1: great. I remember being at baseball practice and hearing it like on the way to practice or whatever and being like, what was that? Holy cow. Like, wow.
0: I'm beneath my toes. The peace gives a feeling, and a deep feeling. I believe in the faith of worlds, and the full I can make me cry. When I'm with you, I feel like I could die, and that would be all right.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's an album that five singles, every one of them. To me, was a banger. You know? I mean... And they're all pretty much front-loaded on the album. There was Losing a Whole Year. Of
1: course. Wait, we're replaying the album now? We're just doing another Third headline episode?
2: Great. Love Losing a Whole Year. Love it. Great open. We just heard semi Trum Life. That was track three in the lead single. Then this one... Was... We know. We
1: did the album. We, 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 what do you we mean was... we
2: know? What do you
1: mean? I thought we were just going to talk about semi Charmed Life. We don't have to relive...
2: I could talk about whatever I want, (laughs) and I choose to talk about Jumper. I mean, these were massive
1: songs. They
2: were. Every single one. All right, which one has the most plays, according to Spotify?
1: Besides semi Charm Life?
2: Do you assume that has the most? I do, yeah. What about... By a
1: healthy margin.
2: What about Graduate? No. Also,
1: I would, I would guess, I would guess that their second most played song is off their next album. How's it going to be?
2: Mm, not a good level of not see, but I mean the same album. How's it going to be? Same album. But I know. Same album. Maybe but... we should do the whole album over right
1: now.
2: <laughs> yes. How's it going to be? Yeah, was, that would uh, definitely be number the ballad two. on this. Yes. All right, so according to your Spotify algorithm, Semi-Charmed Life, over 300 million wow. listens. Number two. This is shocking. Well, how's it going to be is number two. Number three, Bob, is the song that when we did this album, I stood on the table and said Motorcycle Drive-By. Is right. number three? Number
1: three. Wow.
2: So there is a huge contingent of fans of motorcycle drive-by. That's cool.
1: And you can check this song out. It's on
2: the Throwback Podcast playlist. Anyway, Third Eye Blind. I don't know what happened to them. I think the fact that Stephen Jenkins was such a major league doucher um, probably torpedoed the band. Would have liked to see them have more of a sustained career arc, but uh, they did get this one out and I loved it. Well-earned number one.
1: You know what Third Eye Blind song I decided might be my favorite deep inside of you.
2: Mm, That's a good one. It's a good song. That's a good one. I think that was on their third. Yes. That came later. Yeah. Um, So there you go. That was the top 10 countdown this week in 1997. And now we got to do it, Bob.
1: This is, this is is going to be tough. It's a tough While we start thinking, let me thank all of the Patreones who make this podcast possible. This trip down memory lane. All the way back to 1997, we like
2: memory lame.
1: Which was at I least, right? I don't know, 97 was what, like eight years ago? Like we we go way back on this podcast. I don't know. Babe. So
2: thank Do you, you want to, know the truth?
1: to everyone kicking in two dollars a month, six dollars a month to vote in polls, and so on and so forth, and especially our top tier Patreones, Kleiny and Nancy, Bruno the sponsor, mm. and Courtney and Wyatt. Oh, you guys are the best. Thank you for keeping this ship afloat. You guys are awesome.
2: I'm just off on a third eye blonde deep dive. I know you
1: are. That's your big takeaway from this episode.
2: So, Semi Charm Life, Jumper, how's it going to be? The top three most popular songs Never Let You Go, off Blue is four, uh-huh. then Motorcycle Drive By. Okay. All right, so we got to make a choice, Bob.
1: We do, I'm going to look at the list right now I think it's safe to say it's not going to be Tonic
2: I don't think they're going to make it Don't think they're going to make it I don't think
1: it's going to be that terrible Smashing Pumpkin song Or the live song that your old professor killed himself to I'm sorry Sorry to break it to you, Dan (laughs) That's rough I feel like it can't be Fly, that doesn't feel right for us
2: uh, no, I, I would say doesn't feel right is all relative when you look at some of the songs on that fucking playlist. But it's
1: not, it's not gonna be the difference, it's not gonna be the impression that I get. It's really, in a weird way, I think a two horse race between Not an Addict by K's Choice and Song 2 by Blur. Unless we want to throw in Whitetown.
2: No, I think we have a kind of a soft unwritten rule that we like to stay in the top 10 for the pick. We do. So,
1: uh, it's a little bit of
2: a a upset, Bob, but I think maybe I would vote for Kay's Choice.
1: Let's do it. What what other (sighs) podcast is going to put Kay's Choice on their playlist?
2: Nobody. No one would have the gonads to do such a thing and that bass line. Throbbing Bob in ninety seven.
1: It's such a cool song.
2: Alright, that's it, Bob. Not an addict. Kay's Choice. And uh I don't think Kay's Choice is on many playlists in two thousand twenty one. It's a big moment for Kay and all her friends.
1: It was our choice, guys. We took it.
2: Alright, Bob. Good up. We'll be back in a couple more weeks. We
1: will. Follow us on Another Twitter at throwbackpod, Instagram at throwbackpod. You could email us at the throwbackpod at com.
2: You get any pop over there?
1: We get some really nice ones that I, I eventually respond to. But we've gotten That's some nice. really good ones, yeah.
2: And you know what? I'm gonna make it a point to pop in over there. Say hello. You should. Are there anybody do we get any negative emails?
1: Never, never got a negative one. And uh, you know what? We get some great uh, DMs over on Patreon. We get some really nice people uh, talking to us over there too. So you should pop in there too. It's a fun place to go.
2: All right, the Patreonies. Yeah, like them. Yeah, like them even better. Gotta be honest. I mean,
1: I know they're the best.
2: All right, that's it. Until next time. You know what you got to do. I don't know what. Come on. If you don't do me, go fuck yourself. Oh,
1: gross.